everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Super Coach Mates. Uh, today, I am joined by Thomas. Hello, Tom. How are you going? Yeah, not too bad. It's good to have you back on. Uh, missed you a little bit, obviously, with you being away and all, and Jonas coming back last week. But yeah, good to get the band get back together somewhat. Yeah, hopefully we can all get back together soon. And uh, it's just the two of us today. Uh, we have no special guests, so... Uh, we're just going to jump straight into it today. So uh, today's podcast is about a team that has given me a lot of grief over the last uh, four years, in particular throughout the 2018, 2019 uh, season. Um, and that is the West Coast Eagles. Um, so we're just going to jump straight into it. So uh, someone who's very, very, uh, I guess, has the X factor on the field uh, is Nick Nadnui, um, who I think he's actually priced quite well this year for a Ruckman, but obviously there are question marks on his durability and his history with injuries. So uh, I'll, uh, I will obviously, you're the only one here, Thomas. Um, so <laughs> does, does Nick Nat's uh, injury history make him sort of a poor, poor selection and say like a Grundy or a Gorn, or do you reckon he's a, uh, just sort of one of those guys that you can sort of just lock in and hope, you know, that he doesn't get injured. What do you yeah. think about that? He's an interesting one because obviously, you know, with the dominance of, of Gorn and Grundy for so long, he was kind of not really relevant. It was, it was kind of a point of difference per se, but never really got um, going on the track. And he's one that always gets rested or managed throughout the season. And if you look at his... Uh, minutes on ground last year he was kind of limited as well he played kind of like three quarters and he definitely scored well so if I say for example by three quarter time he was over the ton which is very impressive but his potential is kind of ruined a little bit because of being rested in, in in quarters and things like that I mean I don't know if that had something to do with his previous injuries and they were just getting him back into into a full pre-season but He's one of those players if he plays, you know, the same amount as Grundy or, or Gorn or Darcy in a sense that um, he can definitely score and he, he it's proven he can guarantee to score upwards of hundreds very quickly um, with the dominance he has in the rack. Um, with regards to, to actually picking him, I mean, I've seen him in a few preseason teams on social media as a bit of a point of difference, which I don't mind. Um, as everyone's got Darcy at the moment. Darcy's quite young as well and, and, and only really showed potential last season. So he's probably not a bad um, pickup. But as I said, with his management um, of minutes, it's it's kind of hard to tell and, and see whether that'll progress into season 2022. Obviously, if you see him in JLT and he plays a full kind of run at it, then he's probably not a bad pick. But it's a bit of a wait and see on him. Um just because, as I said, he's got huge scoring potential, but whether or not he actually gets those minutes required to be consistent over the whole season is another story. But I know you're a pretty big fan of him, Nathan. What are your thoughts on Nick Nat? Yeah, well, I actually had Nick Nat last year. Um, so obviously for those guys who've listened to the other podcast, um, you guys will know that I went on a bit of a, uh, a semi-protest last <laughs> year about the football. Um, but I did pick him, and I was really, really happy with him when I logged in in about September um, after the <laughs> season and saw that he was he was basically the same price as Brody Grundy, who I paid significantly more for than him. So, um, look, I don't think he's the worst pick, um, but, yeah, I think if you can, I'd probably be going 
Um, probably one of those big three, uh, Gorn, Darcy or Grundy. And uh, just, to, just the other big two. So obviously um, I'm one of the lucky ones that has a Supercoach Gold or a Herald Sun Plus subscription. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can actually see ownership percentage. And uh, Nick, that's only in 4% of sides at the minute. Um, so if you are tempted by him, he's a massive point of difference in the ruck. Um, and I think, he, as as Thomas said, I think he is someone who can score like a Gorn or like a Grundy um, if he gets four minutes. But, yeah, there is obviously that question mark just over, you know, if he only plays 70% game time, you, you know, he's got to basically, you know, play like Gorn and Grundy at, you know, near 100% game time. So, you know, he's got less time to get the same amount of points as what Grundy and Gorn do. So... Look, I think if you game, do it. But, yeah, I think if you want to go safe in the ruck, it's probably better to go for, I would say, uh, Gorn or Grundy or even um, Darcy. So uh, we'll move yeah. on now. So uh, someone who I have heard a lot about throughout the preseason is uh, Campbell. Is it Campbell Chester? Yeah, Campbell Chester. Yeah, Campbell Chester, um, who... I've heard really, really good raps about. Um, and apparently some people over in the West, um, I know the people in the uh, in the West Australian equivalent of the Herald Sun are really talking him up as being a bit of a round one bolter. Um, and he's at 148,000. So uh, what do you think about his potential with regards to being sort of a good cash cow, uh, Thomas? Um, yeah, he's an interesting one. So he's one that's priced at about one one fifty odd, I think one forty eight. So yeah, so um, he's one of those players that if he plays, he's probably a starter in most people's sides because, as you know from last season, um, the defender rookies are pretty pretty high and dry with regard to who you could pick. So anyone that played was pretty much a lock in anyone's side with with regards to defence, but. Um, yeah, he's he's an interesting pick. He's obviously defender mid eligibility, so he's got another rap on him being DPP, which makes him really, really valuable. Um, I've just got the AFL side up on here, and we've got a quote um, from Adam Simpson, who's obviously the West Coast head coach, and he said he's probably a little bit more advanced than your standard draftee, which, and he also mentioned that um, he was top 10 in the 2K time trial, which is shows how fit the bloke is if he's hitting top 10 in a, in a yeah. trial um, as a draftee, which is quite impressive. Um, I've got him locked in my side at the moment, I think at, at D5, ahead of Josh Sin. I think his name is from Port. Um, so he's locked in my side at the moment because of the structure I've got. Uh, West Coast defenders, I think, from history kind of score okay if he plays a defender role. Um, just because they share the ball around a fair bit. So obviously you're not expecting him to score hundreds by any means. Um, but he's definitely able to uh, score. If he scores, say, 60s to 50s, he probably wouldn't complain too much, even if he can push 70s. Um, but, yeah, it's obviously hard to say once you actually see him consistently at AFL level. Um, but the raps he's got from Adam Simpson, who's obviously the coach and, and an ex-AFL player himself, if he's giving him raps already. Um, and, and usually the West Coast lineup isn't the easiest to crack into. Um, there were very few debutants last year. They've got quite a senior side and obviously quite a quite a quite a strong list um, since twenty eighteen. They've obviously diminished a little bit, but 
Um, they're still pretty strong out there, and, and to get reps is, I guess, um, all the credit should go to him. And if he gets a round one spot, I'm pretty sure he's a lock in most people's sides. Um, yeah, so obviously with me as well. Uh, so, yeah, so Campbell Chester's uh, only in 8% of sides, which for someone who's got that kind of rap from his coach, I think that's very, very interesting that only 8% of people have picked him up. But definitely, um, if he's picked for round one, I will definitely have him in my side. Uh, like Thomas has. So uh, moving on to the next one. So uh, someone who I've had the maybe the unfortunate deal of watching a lot over the last few years grow as a player is uh, Elliot Yo, um, who's someone who's unfortunately been ravaged ravaged by injury. Um, but this year he's only just he's only four hundred and seventy k, um, and this is from a player who's sort of. Um, got potential to average sort of around, you know, 110, 105 mark. Um, so Thomas, is this a someone who we should be looking at? And are you concerned about his groins, which seem to just be breaking down whenever he gets to run out? Well, what do you think about Elliot Yo? Yeah, um, he's one that I'm a pretty big fan of, as in watching him. He, he goes hard at it. He's very similar to Jack Steele with regards to tackling all day, and he scores a lot from tackles itself. Um, unfortunately, he was pretty ravaged by injuries last year, which really didn't help him. And when he came back, he just didn't look like the same player. Um, I think West Coast were pretty pretty safe on trying to protect him a little bit. But he's, he's obviously priced very cheaply, and if you can get a full preseason under his belt, I wouldn't be surprised... If he goes back to scoring hundreds um, again, he, he definitely showed it at points last year. And as I said, with with the likes of someone like Steele who tackles for fun, it, it, he kind of um, has that mould where he doesn't really have to rely on high disposal numbers, but disposal numbers to to bump up his score. He has the ability to tackle, um, which is obviously quite effective for his game. But he's someone that I'd rather just wait and see. Um, rather than picking him straight off the bat, I'd rather go down to the likes of even Raul if you want to go down to that kind of 300 mark or even cheaper to the guys like Dacos, Berry, those guys in, in the lower end and, and try and bolster up your primos because I'd rather watch him for, say, five games or even the first price rise and then pick him at a little bit higher price just to give me confidence because Elliot Yo is someone who's obviously been ravaged with injuries. Um, I don't think that the reason why he was out all of last year, I don't think that was a footy-related injury per se on the track. It was something else. But obviously, as you said, groins, he's had an issue in the past. And, and um, it's a lot like that West Coast midfield. None of them really get a good good run at it, which is interesting. But for sure, I'd, I'd keep him on the radar just in case. And if he gets to, has a good first three rounds and he's still sub-500, he'd definitely be a good um, option to bring in early. Yeah, he's in. Uh, he's four hundred seventy thousand, and he's uh, only in two percent of sides. So, uh, obviously, there might be some people who are perhaps considering him or uh, doing what Thomas is going to do and just hold off on him and uh, see what he does. So, uh, I guess the same question with Ali. Yo, so uh, obviously the West Coast midfield is very deep, mm-hmm. um, and obviously with some other guys there, including uh, Luke Shuey and uh, Tim Kelly, who both averaged over 100 before. I know Tim Kelly went uh, gangbusted in his last year at Geelong and so it hasn't really lived up to the expectations of West Coast or he hasn't reached the heights yet um, that perhaps some people thought he was. But uh, 
Um, what about those two, uh, Thomas? Are they uh, potentials, or do we just sort of put them in the same basket as uh, Ali Yo? What do you think there? I mean, out of, out of the three, I'd definitely pick Yo. Um, Kelly's definitely shown in his, in his first year during his scoring potential. However, um, obviously got the move that he wanted to West Coast, but never really found his feet in that midfield. Uh, I'd say Shuey's, a, Shuey's definitely a hard pass. He's... Best is obviously very good, but his injuries are just so um, so frequent, and he gets rested and managed. And he's he's not getting younger. Obviously, he's he's one of the senior heads there, and it almost seems like every game he's off for a little bit, just with a small niggle here and there, and it's just so hard. And the midfield, obviously, you want your best scoring players, and if you've got someone like uh, Shuey, who every time you get on watch him on TV, you're a bit worried that he might go off um, injured, doesn't really help. But Kelly, he's I'd say in the same basket as. As you know, it seems like that West Coast midfield um, didn't really click at all last year, obviously with so many injuries. And they don't really have anyone that stands out with scoring. Obviously, you know, for example, like obviously with St Kilda per se, you've got Jack Steele. You can pretty much guarantee um, 100 every week, regardless of what happens in the scoreline. But with the West Coast boys, they seem to like to share it around a fair bit and they play for each other a bit more. Um, with regards to giving the ball to each other and sharing the super coach load. Um, so again, he's at that risky price point where, you know, if you pick him and he goes to, to shit essentially, um, it's pretty hard to, to change. Obviously, he can move right down to a rookie, but it's almost a waste of a trade. And I think this year, even though you've got 35 trades, um, which is plenty compared to last season, it's just the things where we're almost guaranteed to have teams out with COVID. Um, fingers crossed that's not the case, but if that's the case... You know, you'd want to save the trades up for that rather than moving around players um, like Elliot and uh, Elliot Yo, um, Shuey and Kelly. You know, all in early on in the season. But I think the upside to to picking one of those, I think I you might have to correct me if I'm wrong, Nathan. Um, they share the last buy round, I believe, or, or share around a, a buy which is not very popular. Hence, why the Nick Nat Newey pick is such a bad pod. So I guess if you're if you're structuring for buys and want primos on the field. Um, that's something that you could definitely look towards. But I think in comparison to what most people I've seen on social media pick around structure-wise, most have just gone fire, full-blood primos. I don't think there's space for mids um, like that when we've got so many good 200k options. But um, enough about me, me talking about it. What's your thoughts on those three trios? You, any Anyone on your radar or pretty much just a hard pass on all of them? No, I think for me it's a hard pass on all of them. Um, obviously, yeah, I think I'm in a sort of go along with what you said. I think that West Coast midfield, um, they just like to share it around. They don't really have a dominant player in there like, you know, like Jack Steele at the killer. So I think I'll look elsewhere. Um, but definitely I think if Tim Kelly gets going, um, I definitely think he's someone who you would want on your radar. Yeah. Because um, sure. we know that from his Geelong days, he's... Um, his biggest scores were really, really big. So, um, yeah, I definitely think that there could be someone there. But, yeah, I think at this stage it'd be hard to pick any of them. And, uh, yeah, just following up with that. So, with regards to the buy, uh, so West Coast have the middle buy. Um, who do they, who do they share, obviously... share it with? Uh, they share it with Adelaide, Geelong, Sydney, the Western Bulldogs and Gold Coast Suns. Ah, okay. So yeah, there's not um, there's not too many players. Obviously, you got the the, the, no. the the Bulldogs primos, which might be a bit of a concern. But I think there's one round which 
which knocks out both the Ruckman as well, the the Grundy, yeah, the Grundy Gorn Dark. That's the last one. Out. Yeah, exactly. So that, well, that's, I mean, I guess that's the issue. They're that gone. With, obviously, that's the issue that you run with, with obviously. Um, but yeah, what were you saying before? Oh no, I was just gonna say that. Um, I guess that's the only issue if you pick Gorn and Grundy. Um, is that as long as they're still at Collingwood and Melbourne, they're probably always going to share the same buy um, because yeah. they're always going to have their buy coming off Queen's birthday. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's so. that's probably something that you're, you're always going to have to keep in mind is if you do go Gorn and Grundy, um, you might just maybe have to have a look and see if you can maybe not load up on as many of those players. But um, obviously with Melbourne winning the flag last year, I think there might be some... Melbourne boys, particularly Petrarca and those guys who may get more lookings. Um, and obviously, you're going to have to work around that. With, if you go in the Gorn Grundy or even Grundy and Darcy or Gorn and Darcy, or if some people are still going after um, Goldstein, you know, they're all out in that final week. So, yeah, I think it's just something you're going to have to keep in mind um, with regards to that. Yeah. Um, sure. So, defenders. So, not really a lot of uh, options here for West Coast in the back line, I would say, in terms of super coach. Um, I think the West Coast back line is all a bit like the midfield. This is just my two bobs worth. Um, so what do you think about the West Coast defenders on super coach, Thomas? Do you think any of them are relevant or are you just going to put them in the same basket as the midfield and, and yeah. just do a pass on them? Almost. I mean, when when Alex Witherden came over to West Coast, he was one that um, I kind of like the look of just because he had the ability to score huge points as he did in Brisbane at like at times. But I guess he wasn't really selected on a on a on a consistent basis, and that seemed to be the case at West Coast anyway. I thought he was going to take that Shannon Hearn role, and Shannon Hearn would go down to more of a one on one, you know, I wouldn't say lockdown defender, but just small defender. But that didn't seem the case. Um, and the other two relevant ones that we were going to speak about, Liam Duggan and Shannon Hearn. Duggan's an interesting one just because he's always touted to be in that midfield mix, but he ends up always on a wing for some reason or you know ends up on a halfback flank pushing into midfield. So with the likes of, of hopefully, you know, for West Coast, say Kelly, Shuey and Yo all playing back in that midfield, I can't see Duggan moving back there. And, he, and if he plays back, he ends up playing a lockdown one-on-one role in a sense. Um, so it makes him very hard to pick. And, yeah, obviously he had that big hype last year about him pushing in the midfield, but never really eventuated and ended up sticking with kind of 70s and 80s, which is not what you really want. Um, so the really only relevant one is Shannon Hearn, who has the ability to score 110-plus um, on a pretty consistent basis just because of the kick-ins. Um, but very similar to Shuey that, you know, it, the chance for him to get injured is always pretty high. He always ends up on the, on the rub down. You know, at half time after scoring gang busters yeah. in the first quarter, um, just being injured. But yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where they like to share the ball around, they like to ship it around the back, which is what West Coast are known to do. I know every time they play St Kilda, they bloody do that. We get shafted because uh, we're not so good at, at the kick mark game, and they always do that quite well. So they like to share the points around um, rather than someone like Jake Boyd who just picks it up for fun down there. So yeah, I'd, I'd say all three are a pass, but. If you were to pick one of those defenders, if you wanted a West Coast defender, I'd say Shannon Hearn would be the one, um, just because he's got a pretty good history of scoring quite big um, and has the ability to go huge in, in quarters because 
of his kickouts. But what are your thoughts on those, Nathan? I'm assuming you don't really have anyone on your radar there, or is there anyone that you, you might like the look of going forward? Nah, I think the only one I would go for is Shannon Hearn. Um, but there's obviously question marks on his, you know, his injury history. And also, yeah. I think this is his last... I think this is his last season as well. Mm. Um, I think he, I think he said he was retiring at the end of his contract, which I believe is this year. Um, so, you know, it could be a bit of a swan song year for him. You know, he could come out and give it one last hurrah. But, um, yeah, I think personally, I think I'd be avoiding all of them. But I also was like, you know, I'm with them. Um, I know one of my... I know one of my um, close friends away from the podcast. I think he actually started with it in last oh, year yeah. with that, um, which obviously that didn't work very well um, because he's basically, I think he's basically the same price he started at last year. Uh, and he's, I think he's basically the same price this year. So uh, not really a lot there. Um, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, I think Hume would definitely be the one I'd go for out of them. So, Moving on now. So with the news coming out a few days ago that uh, Jack Darling has not been vaccinated against COVID, um, which yeah. obviously obviously has now been mandated for AFL players, or it's been no, no, has been man- mandated for AFL players. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously that leaves a big hole in West Coast forward line. Yeah. Um, so how does this impact their other key forwards, such as uh, Josh Kennedy? And Oscar Allen, and will this be a positive impact on on how they play this year? Uh, Thomas, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's fully confirmed that he's hundred percent out, but it seems to be that way. I think Jed Anderson from North Melbourne in a similar boat; they're not having their second dose or, or whatever it is, um, which is another story entirely. But you know, West Coast like to have three tall forwards in their in their forward line. That's the way they win a lot of games. Um, they've dominated in the air in previous years, um, and that's that's. I mean, as a St Kilda supporter, that's always the way they beat us. Is because we always have two key for, key back and miss always miss out on the third one, and the third one seems to go gangbusters every time we we get we play against them. But without Darling, it means. Probably Oscar Allen has to step up. I, I can't really think of any other key forward or key players that would step up in the role of Darling, which makes it pretty hard. Um, I could say it might... I wouldn't say it impacts JJK. I think more pressure goes on JJK then because obviously if Darling's not there, the best defender will 100% go on JJK the whole time and just sit on him, which probably negatively affect, affects his score. And he's pretty old as well, so I wouldn't expect too much scoring off him. The other one, Oscar Allen, is quite young. He's quite a good player. I like the look of him. Um, the only risk with him is a tendency to get swung all over the place. He plays key back sometimes to fill up the holes. Um, and, and even when he got thrown around, he never really got going with his scoring. But if there's a second tall spot and he takes that spot permanently, um, who knows what his scoring will be like. And if he, if he is, he's pretty cheap. So he's not a bad option if, if we see some good scoring out of him playing that second key role. Um, but the only person I'd say that are positively effective would be maybe Nick Nat because they need Nick Nat likes to share the the ruck load a little bit. Um, so if he gets that sole ruck spot with out of necessity, um, I could see it positively impacting him. But other than that, I don't think the key key forwards are that um, relevant this year. How about yourself? Do you reckon any any changes with your thinking with those two, or do you reckon just stay away from those key forwards as 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 is the golden rule in previous years? 
Yeah, I think I'm going to stick to the golden rule there. But um, I actually think it might negatively impact them uh, more than positively. Um, the, the reason being is because Jack Darling always took the number one defender, um, regardless of who they played. Like, um, I know, for example, down at Collingwood, that uh, Roughhead would always go to Jack yeah. Darling. Um, yeah, because he's yeah. the number one forward. So obviously now with that, I think Josh Kennedy is gonna obviously have have those number one defenders on him, um, and they're probably gonna be sort of the matchups that he probably will struggle against because, um, you know, obviously um, Kennedy used to get the second backman, which, uh, for example, Collingwood would probably be Darcy Moore. Um, who's a lot more sort of a standoff type defender. He doesn't mind going around taking intercepts. Um, but with it with that now being the case that he's at least not playing, well, it seems to be that he's not going to be playing round one, Jack Darling, um, that obviously a lot more of those maybe more traditional type lockdown fullbacks um, will now go to um, Kennedy and basically sit off him. Um, and I don't know if Oscar Allen is quite ready yet to be a number two key forward, but he might go out and go gangbusters um, with that added responsibility. But at this stage, it's going to be hard to see um, how losing the, the club's best forward can positively impact yeah. um, the rest of the side or those forwards in general. So I, I think this is the last topic we've got for West Coast. So uh, obviously someone who's been in the news for all the wrong reasons for the last couple of years is uh, Willie Rioli, who was obviously a very, very key member of West Coast's uh, premiership winning 2018. I would rather forget that day. Um, But anyway, um, so he... Is this guy worth a bit of a point of difference or worth a bit of an expensive rookie uh, in the forward line. Uh, Thomas, what do, you, what do you think about Willie Rioli as a sort of a expensive rookie pickup? Yeah, he's in that 200k range, which is obviously that's been the most chat about pre-seasons. We've got about 10 different people in that range, like the Greshams. Uh, Caniglio is that cheap as well. We've got Rayner, Brody, Kerno, the list goes on. Um, he's just another one that adds in Adds in as well. You could basically make your whole forward line with 200k players. You could. You might not actually do too badly, but it's an interesting one because he played, obviously he plays forward. Um, I think he he went quite well um, towards the back end of his, his last season in 2019. And he, they started to release him, I believe. I could be totally wrong. So a West Coast supporter out there, if they listen, um, they might be able to to contact us and, and, and talk more about Rioli, but yeah, I think they pushed him more more onto the ball. I'm pretty sure he played stints yeah, in they the did. midfield. Yeah, no, they, they definitely put him on the ball towards the back end of 2019. Yeah, and that's I almost... I they sort of moved him up to a wing yeah, as well. Yeah, that's almost what they missed out on this year. It almost felt like a bit of flair in that midfield. Like, West Coast in midfield, in my opinion, is very one-dimensional. And what I mean by that, you've got... Say you've got your full-strength midfield. You've got Yo. Uh, What's his name? Shuey and um, Kelly. Kelly's Kelly. probably one that adds a bit of flair, but he's still pretty. He's not quick by any means in comparison to someone like Rioli. So Rioli definitely adds that speed through the midfield, and that's where he got his scoring um, pump bumped up from. So 
Um, just having a look here, his low was 75 and his high was 113 in a seven-game sample size. So this was towards their finals run um, back in 2019. But as you can see there, if you if you got that type of scoring from a 200k player, you'd be laughing. Um, so obviously, if he goes back into that that kind of half forward pushing up midfield role, he's definitely quite lucrative. But having said that, he missed out two years of footy, so. You know, you just don't know what you're going to expect from when he comes back. He could be fit as a fiddle and he's, he's trained the house down pre-season and he fits in seamlessly. But I wouldn't be surprised, as is the case with many long-term injury players um, or, or someone that's obviously taken time out of the game. It, it, it's almost like half the time footy ends up going past him a little bit. Um, so it could take a while to get used to the speed of it. Obviously, you know, training away from the group probably does, doesn't help as well. Um, but someone as talented as a, as a Rioli is definitely one player that if he was able to do it, that he'd be the, if someone was able to do it, he'd be the person to bounce back and just go straight back into that side, no problems. Um, but just with the amount of other 200k players around that have had scoring potential or proven scoring potential over the past, like Cogs, obviously, um, I think there's just too many other good 200k options to make him relevant. But he's kind of in the mould as like every other West Coast player we've spoken about in this podcast is that you're just going to have to wait and see. I mean, this West Coast side was so disappointing um, last year that they obviously want to... They're a proud club. They, they, won the, they won the premiership in 2018. So they want to bounce back, obviously. And someone like Rioli will, will, do, will go a long way in, in, in them winning it. But what are your thoughts on Rioli? Have you got... Any 200k players in your side at the moment? And if so, is he one of them? Or you've kind of stuck away from him and chosen someone else? No, I haven't got him at the minute. Um, I've actually gone for Cam Rayner. Yeah, um, that's a pretty solid swapping, I think. And I've got Cornelio. Um, I think Cornelio's... Um, I'm happy to take a pun on his injury history at that price. I know he's a proven scorer. Um, and I think he's co-sharing the captaincy this year. Yeah, it could be a good thing for him. <laughs> which might actually be a good thing for him. Yeah, I was about to say, it might be a good thing for him, actually. Um, but I'm just having a look here now, and I'll, I think Will Brody uh, from Free, I think he's like a hundred, he's a thousand dollars cheaper. Yeah, I think um, I've he's heard. Probably gonna... I was going to say, I've heard he's training the house down at Freo and. And dominating that midfielder, it's a big body midfielder. So yeah, know. I think I'd be more inclined to pick him because I think I know he's probably <clears throat> going to play in the midfield. Um, and the other one too at that exact same price is uh, Charlie Kerno. Yeah. Um, who's probably not going to end up making my side, but I think I would maybe take a punt on Charlie um, ahead of Willie. Um, I think. Mm-hmm. I think they'll probably end up being the same. So, um, yeah, I think they'll probably end up being the same price. So, yeah, um, yeah, I think I'd be more inclined to pick Brody or Charlie Kerno at that price. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd even, I'd even maybe take a pun on Sam Darcy personally before I took a pun yeah. on um, um, really, really. So. Uh, yeah, anyway, I, um, but yeah, that, that's all of my thoughts on Rioli. Um, but yeah, obviously, I'll go along with you, Troy, and say if he does get that midfield role, uh, like he did sort of in the back half of 2019, then I definitely think he's someone who we should be looking at maybe as a sort of a, you know, if 
someone gets injured, he saw someone he might be able to sideways trades to. But uh, just one one more question here. This is not mm. on our run sheet, but uh, just yeah. one more question here. Um, how, where do you think West Coast are going to actually be this year? Because obviously every year I know people do their sort of their, um, you know, their preseason ladder predictions. Yeah. And this seems to be the side, one of the few sides, where there's a lot of question marks about them. Um, with regards to where they're going to finish. Some people have them in their top eight. Some people have them in their top bottom four. Some people have them just missing the eight. Some people have them potentially even being a top four side. So mm-hmm. where do you see West Coast finishing this year? Um, it's a good question. Obviously, not really super coach relevant, but I think... Yeah, I, I, in my opinion, I don't. I've never really rated West Coast's game plan. It almost seems like their main priority. I mean, their backline has always been really good. You got McGovern, Hearn, the guys like that have really locked down pretty well. But their midfield forward transit, yeah, Barris as well. So, I've always rated their their backline pretty highly. They've dominated us every time we've played them. Um, but I think the downside with the where their backline is, they have a tendency just to to lack. Um, the ability when it comes in quite low and hard and, and you've got actual midfielders um, who can kick, kick the ball in really accurately, can struggle them a little bit one-on-one because they're so good intercept markers. But my main knock on West Coast is just their transition from forward to mid is always so one-dimensional because they always bomb the ball in and it's because they've got so dominant three key forwards, they always clunk them. And then they had really, really Royoli and... Um, uh, Liam Ryan as well to, to pick up the crumbs. So they never really got out of second gear with that game style. They never really deviated from that too much. So that's my main concern with them. Uh, where they'd finish, I'd say, you know, pro- I wouldn't be surprised if they end up top eight again just because of the nature of their team. And they'd be, I think Adam Simpson is on his last kind of legs with his with his contract or with um, West Coast supporters willing to have him on as coach because they've suffered a fair bit um, since the since the premiership. But I think if they're able to get their young kids right and get them blooded in, you know, it could be seamless transition. But I would say my opinion is they probably drop out of that eight um, and take a few, one or two years, hopefully, just to get those young kids back in and just provide some life into that side. Because West Coast is it's now quite an old side. You don't, you don't see many young kids in that side. Um, and similar to Geelong, they're just lacking you know, that kind of X factor that the young kids provide. So I'd, I'd say they're, they're dropping out of that top eight. Um, but also wouldn't be surprised if they snuck in probably seventh or seventh or eighth. Yeah, no, I probably would wholly agree with you. I think I think the biggest question over West Coast at the minute, though, is whether when uh, when uh, Mark McGowan's going to finally drop yeah. that hard border in Western Australia. Because um, I remember watching Collingwood West Coast last year and they just looked not interested at, on the MCG. Um, I don't think they've been home for a while. So, um, yeah, if I have to say myself, I would probably have them maybe finishing in the sort of around the middle of the bottom eight. Yeah, um, I mean. At the moment. But obviously, if their border opens up and they can get that really, really pro dominant West Coast crowd at Optus Stadium, that could change. But um, we just don't know when McGowan's going to reopen the borders. Um, 
And the longer they stay shut into the year, um, I think the less likely West Coast are to be with regards to making the top eight. So, yeah, I think that's all we got time for today. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll obviously continue these these preseason teams straight throughout the um, the preseason, t- just towards round one. And, and obviously, um, we'll hopefully have the band back together with, with Jonas as well, and we'll reveal our um, our full full round one teams before before round one kicks off on Thursday night. Um, but just before we wrap up today, um, we are planning to release our first league code. Um, in our next podcast or in the next half of the podcast, which will be the Port Adelaide one. So stick around to the end of that one, um, give it a listen, and then you'll um, hear the code for that one. So we'll announce the code on the on the, on the on the Port Adelaide podcast at the end of that one. And our plan is to release um, two, two, um, two lead codes um, just for our listeners there, and it's basically first in best dressed. Um, and hopefully have a bit of fun in the season. But until then, um, we'll catch you uh, for the port one.